Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. We never want to rush out of a moment where the presence of God is tangible. Whether we feel Him or not, He's here. Because the Word of God says where two or three are gathered together, his name, he is here. The Bible also says in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. I think some people need joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And some of us are struggling with joy in our spirit. We're facing anxiety. We're facing depression. Man, I believe God is here. I, I want to set expectations for a moment. Because we don't walk into the presence of God and and encounter the God that created all things and go back to the way we were. God's here to break chains of bondage. He doesn't want us to walk back to what is binding and coming against us. God's here to heal bodies. That's not theoretical. That is factual. In the presence of God, demons flee. In the presence of God, (laughs) we have complete, where the Spirit of the Lord is, it says there is freedom. If you're feeling bound, you need to you, you need to stand, say, no, I'm in the presence of God, and no work of the enemy has authority over me. Maybe you do need joy over depression. Maybe you do need peace over anxiety. Maybe you do need a healing in your physical body. God's here. His presence is with us. That's where I want our expectations to be for the rest of the service. Let us believe that God is going to do what only God can do. You've tried and you have failed and you'll continue to fail when you stand in your own strength. But when you stand in the presence of God and believe the word of God, he moves. Father, I pray right now for your church in the mighty name of Jesus. I bind every every hindering spirit. I bind every work of witchcraft in the name of Jesus that's coming against every controlling spirit. I bind all anxiety in the name of Jesus. And I just release peace. I release joy. Lord Jesus, I bind every addiction, every sexual addiction, every drug addiction in the name of Jesus, every addiction that comes against our physical bodies and our minds. I take authority over it. Lord, your word says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And that is a fact. We are not bound because you, Jesus, has set us free. We take authority over it. And Lord, we just release your presence over us. Lord, we, re- we, we, we ask, Holy Spirit, that you do a work in us. Let not one of us walk out of this building the same way we walked in. Lord Jesus, we have encountered the God that created all things. And Lord, you have, you have life and you have it to the full. Lord, some of us, Lord, have been listening to the false narratives of the enemy. And I bind those lies in the name of Jesus. And I release your truth to penetrate hearts right now. I thank you, Jesus, because you reign over it all. 
You are the God that, that, that spoke and light came into his existence. You are the God that spoke and created all things, Lord Jesus. You are sovereign over all things, and we submit to you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for what you've already done in our gathering this morning. And we thank you for what you're about to do. I thank you ahead of time for the, for the knees that are going to be healed today for the heart conditions that are going to be healed today, for the lung conditions that are going to be healed today. I thank you even now, Lord Jesus, for the clinical depression that is going to turn to joy in the name of Jesus and in the presence of God. I thank you right now for the person who is plagued with anxiety. I bind that spirit of fear in the mighty name of Jesus. And I just thank you for the freedom that people are going to feel walking out of here because you, God, are our freedom. Oh, Jesus, do your work. Father, the last thing your church needs is another message. We need you. They don't need to hear me. We need to hear you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will speak through me. Lord, let, let, help me to rightly divide your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Anoint me. Your word's already anointed. Anoint me so I can deliver it. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. We're going to move into a time of worship in the Word. Everything we do here at C1 is worship. We worship in song. We worship with the Word. We worship with our giving. We worship. That's the life of a believer is worship. We worship. And today we're going to look at out of section of scripture out of Hebrews. Um, we're continuing in our series called Jesus is Greater. And we're just going verse by verse through the book of Hebrews. And the author of Hebrews is, is very adamant to establish the sovereignty and the dominion of Christ over all things. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to, I want to, uh, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 2, 5 through 12. So, if you have the tree version of the Bible, that would be a book. You could turn there. If you had the E version, that would be your phone. You could open there, or it's also going to be on the screen. Um, we're going we're gonna to look at this. And, guys, I want to I tell you, um, we're going to go through a lot of Scripture, but what the Scripture that we're going to go through is going to reinforce what the author of Hebrews is saying. And... With that said, I want us to have expectations set. Because later we're going to pray at the end of this service. And I truly believe that if you walked in here with a physical need, that God's going to heal you. I truly believe if you walked in here with addiction, that God's going to break chains. And he's going to put you on the path of freedom. I truly believe that. And I want us to have that in our mind moving forward in this service. I want our expectations to be God is not just has moved when we are singing and emotional, but he is going to move. With that said, I'm going to tell you a joke. You're not going to get away from one. Um, A guy was set up on a blind date with a girl and they met and in in conversation over dinner, he, uh, they were just small small talk and stuff he 
he said to her, he said, I, I actually drive a Ford truck. And she looked at him and said, I think we should see other men. Oh, come on. Come on. No, I'm just, just picking. My, my neighbor just got a new truck at a glance. I knew it was Ford because the hood is always up. <laughs> oh, come on. Why? All right, all right. We're going to get back to it. I'm, I'm sorry. That's probably my favorite Ford joke is the first one I told you. It's, it, it makes me laugh every single time. And I have a ton of them. And if you like Ford, I like Ford too. I just can't afford one. So um, we're going to jump right into Hebrews chapter 2. He says, and furthermore, it is not angels who will control the future of the world we are talking about. For in one place, in, in one, for in one place, the scripture says, what are men, mere, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Or a son of man that you should care for him? And this kind of gets tricky here because here in a second, he starts using a plural adjective or, or pronoun um, them, and if we're not careful here, we could think that he's talking about us, but the scripture is pointing to Christ, and most translations say, yet you made him, but the two translations I have on that computer say them, but most scholars believe that it's talking about Christ, so I want us to think in that. This is talking about Christ. The whole book of Hebrews, the theme is Jesus is greater. So, yet you made them, or him, a, a, only a little lower than angels and crowned him with glory and honor. Your translations actually might say him as you read along. You gave him authority over all things. Now, when it says all things, it means nothing is left out. But we have not yet seen all things put under their authority. So what is he talking about here? Because like, well, you gave him authority over all things, but yet all things is not under his authority. What, what is that talking about? Because that can be confusing when you just look at it. Can, can you go back for, uh, to verse 8? I, I want to break this down. The reason why what, what he's talking about, the author here is talking about, is we still live in a fallen world. People hear the gospel and choose not to serve Jesus all the time. Natural disasters still happen. Sin still affects you and I. Um, the, the, the overflow of sin is death. Death still happens day in and day out. And so, yes, Jesus reigns above it all. He has complete and total dominion over death, um, hell, and the grave. But yet, this world, he has not yet stepped in and set up his kingdom. So the enemy's still running around, even though he is completely and utterly defeated. He's still running around causing chaos, and sin is still affecting the world. So we have not yet seen what God has already done. But you got to understand, we live in a linear timeline. We go from day to day. God, ex he, he lives outside of time and space. So Jesus reigns over it all, but he sees our whole time. He, you know, like I once heard it said, Jesus wrote your life backwards so you can live it out forward. Because he sees the whole of your life because he, he exists outside of time. So when it says, you gave authority over all things, nothing is left out, but, but we have not yet seen all things put under his authority, like what it's really talking about is the fact that this world is still riddled with sin 
and the enemy still is doing things in this world, but there will come a day where that will be put to death because he, he's already defeated. The enemy is utterly, Jesus came to dismantle every work of the enemy. He broke his kingdom completely. The, Satan is completely defeated. And so what he's doing now, he's doing as much as he can right now, but he is doomed to defeat because he's already defeated when, the, when Jesus walked out of that empty tomb. Now let's keep going. What we do see is Jesus, who was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. Let's say amen. Come on. Amen. amen. You know, it's kind of interesting. I, I, I'm, like, I'm just going to break this down real quick, too. I will keep going for a second. But what does it mean that he tasted death for everyone? Because you and I are still dying. My mom died in 2020. You guys know that. All of us have different people who have died. And yet, Jesus, it says Jesus tasted death for everyone. Like we could, we could sit here and be confused. What, 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 what is the author talking about when he tasted death? What he's talking about is the fact that Jesus, being the only person ever filled with the Holy Spirit, go into death. He tasted, not, not like he did taste physical death, which we all do, but he tasted death after death. Spiritual death. He's the only person ever to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To taste spiritual death. And because he did, we don't have to. We will never experience spiritual death when we put our faith in Jesus. Because remember, Jesus doesn't save us for this world. He saves us for eternity. What we do see, okay. For God, for whom and through whom everything was made, chose to bring many children into glory. And it was only right that he should make Jesus, through his suffering, a perfect leader, fit to bring them into their salvation. Praise God. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. Come on, church. Let's just say amen. Jesus is our older brother. We have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call us that's us, you and me, who, who, who confess Jesus as Lord and Savior, his brothers and sisters. For he said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. Today, I want to talk to you about dominion and authority. And we kind of hit on this last week very lightly as kind of a passing thought to reinforce another point. But today I want to talk specifically about dominion and authority. And to break this down, we need to understand the significance of why Jesus came. I know, like, well, really? That's, yes, really. To understand why he had to come to reclaim dominion. So Jesus, 
The first thought I want to give you today is Jesus reclaimed dominion. Jesus reclaimed dominion. And we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. So the author of Hebrews establishes that Jesus has dominion over everything. He says that, and that all things are subject to him, and not one thing is left out. He also says, because he subjected himself to death, he is crowned with all glory. I, I, I want you to understand what that means. Jesus subjected himself to the dominion of death. He made himself obedient to the dominion of the enemy for a moment. Like, whoa, I've never heard it put that way. That's what he did. And so let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says right here, Then God said, Let us, this is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make man in our image and our likeness. What is he talking about? Obviously, he's not talking about this physical body. He's talking about our spirit. We are a triune being. We are body, soul, and spirit. What is God? He's a triune God. He's a God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So he's triune. We're triune. We, 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 we have a body, soul, and spirit. And when we accept Christ, our spirit, our sin nature, like we get a new identity. God re like he literally, the Bible says we who are in Christ are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So we are a new creation. The problem is our soul and our body have to catch up. That's the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. That's why even after we get saved, we don't want to sin anymore, but sometimes we still sin and fall into temptation because our soul and body still want to sin, but our spirit does not. And so the Holy Spirit sanctifies us over time to make us like Christ. Jesus, on the other hand, he was born without a sin nature. We are born with the sin nature. Jesus was born, we're going to get into that here in a second, and let them have dominion. Dominion. That's a big word. We keep hearing dominion. And let them have, God said, let them have dominion. So when he created Adam, what did he give Adam? Dominion. Over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth. And over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. That means your, your Uncle Jerry? I'm shook. Oh, come on. I'm sorry if your name's Jerry. No, but... He gave him complete, and that's not even the extensive list. If you keep reading in Genesis chapter 1, the, the list continues. And, and God gave him complete and utter dominion. So when, when, when Jesus came, and, and he, some, some translations in Romans says he's a second Adam, he came and, and he had to come as like Adam. So I want to define dominion for a second. Dominion, the Hebrew word here, is, it, it's rada. Have dominion, prevail against rain. So when, when God created Adam, he gave him the authority and power to prevail against the enemy. And he gave him authority to reign in the earth. 
And, and some people believe, and, and a lot of theologians, you know the story when Jesus cursed the fig tree? And, you know, Jesus being the second Adam. And why is Jesus called the second Adam? Let's, let's ask that question real quick. He's called the second Adam because Adam and Jesus were the same, like Jesus being born and Adam being created, but they were both had no sin nature. They, they had no desire to sin. Like if, if you left us to our own devices, we would sin naturally because that's our natural state of being. But Adam left to his own devices and Christ being born of the spirit left to his own devices would not sin. They would never sin apart from temptation. And, and Adam, he was tempted. And like, I'm not saying that they couldn't sin, but they had to be tempted to sin. We sin without even being tempted before we're, we're, before we're saved. Once we're saved, that's when temptation kicks in. But Adam, he, he, apart from temptation, he would never sin. He would just do what he was told because he had no desire to. He did not have a sin nature like we do. Jesus had no desire to sin. He didn't have a sin nature like us. But they could still be tempted all the same. And believe me, Jesus' temptations were so much harder than any temptations we could ever imagine. You think we're tempted hard. You better believe that Satan pulled out all the stops to tempt the Son of God. To get him to fall. Because he's like, oh, okay, I see. I see what you're doing here, God. We, we, have a, we have a cunning enemy. He's like, well, I got the first Adam to fall. I got the second Adam to fall. And he didn't. Adam fell into temptation. And we experienced the effects of that. Sickness is an effect of his fall. It's, it's demonic. Sickness is demonic. You know, 25% of all Jesus' miracles had to do with demons, whether it be an affliction or possession. 25%. It's crazy. So Jesus, so God gave Adam dominion. And so when the enemy came and tempted Adam, what did Adam really do in that moment? Oh, he ate the apple or pomegranate or whatever you want to call it. I personally think that it wasn't, I, I don't think it looked different than any other fruit. It was just the fact that God told him not to eat that tree. And what Adam did in that moment is he chose not to believe God. He, 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 he decided, because up to that point, he was walking in obedience to the Father. Right? He was doing what the Father told him to do. He was, he was subduing the earth. He was reigning. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, he said, you will never bear. And it, what, what did it do? It withered and, dry, it withered and died. Right? Well, um, many scholars and theologians believe that's actually how Adam grew fruit in the garden. That he would just speak to it. Because he had dominion over the earth. And like row of orange trees, and it would just pop up, produce fruit, and he would speak just like Jesus spoke, and it withered. Like, that's, that's how Adam gardened, and which makes the curse of Adam make a lot more sense, that you're going to toil against the ground. Like, he never had to dig a hole before. He's never had to plow the ground before. It just, he had dominion because he obeyed God. And when he disobeyed God, he actually made Satan Lord of his life. Literally, he chose to subject himself to another Lord, 
by believing Satan. And in doing that, he gave dominion to Satan. And he subjected because he, Adam had reigned over all the earth. He reigned. He had dominion. He, he prevailed against all the earth. And when he sinned, that dominion, that, that sin that affected him, that he was going to die because he had dominion, it affected all the earth. And because God does not take back what he gives, he doesn't give, he doesn't take back. He had, he had to step in as the second Adam, Jesus, without a sin nature and reclaim dominion. He couldn't just say, oh, no, no, Satan, you don't get that. That was for Adam. He couldn't do that because God, God, his character would not allow him to do that. He doesn't take back gifts. That's why Jesus said, there's going to be many people that said, Jesus, I healed in your name. And he says, away from me, you worker of iniquity. Or I prophesied in your name. Away from me, I didn't know you. Because God doesn't take back gifts. And so Jesus had to step in to humanity as the second Adam, not with the sin nature. And to, and to do everything Adam did not do. That means when Adam was tempted, what did Adam do? He listened to temptation. When Christ was tempted, and it wasn't just three times after a fast that he was tempted. I promise you Christ was tempted his whole life. And every single time by the power of the Holy Spirit. And what did Jesus do when it's recorded? He went to the Word. He stood on the Word of God and he overcame temptation. And so when he went to death, that did something. Because he was a man full of the Holy Spirit that never sinned. What's it, what does Romans 6.23 say? For the wages of is so that would make sense for you and I to die because we're born with the sin nature. The, overflow, the only overflow of sin is death, right? Like the overflow, the, the wage when sin is death. Because our bodies are riddled with, with sin, we're dying slowly over time. It's not redeemed yet. God has a new body for us. But, and you see people who live an openly sinful life why is it that they always look older? Why is it that, 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 that they decay faster? Because the overflow of sin is death. Sin is death. And so when Jesus subjected himself to the dominion of death, death had no authority over Jesus. It could not keep him because he never sinned. He never sinned. He walked into he walked to the cross and carried it. He subjected himself to death, being full of the Holy Spirit. And, and he, as the Bible says, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Because Jesus subjected himself to the dominion of death, even though he was full of the Holy Spirit, he never once sinned. He had no claim to him. Death could not keep him. Death could not keep him. And so I don't want to muddy the waters. I want to read Romans chapter 5 starting in um, verse 12. And we're going to read what, what the Apostle Paul talks about 
Adam and Jesus and the overflow of Jesus being obedient to death, even though he had, death had no right to him, and, and um, Adam being disobedient to the Lord, introducing death to the world. So it said, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, and every, for everyone sinned. And sometimes we think sin is just disobedience to God. Yeah, that is technically sin, but we, we sin apart. If you've never heard the word of God, you've never heard a command of God, you will still sin because you will still die. You're riddled with sin. You, you, it's, like, it's like cancer that's worked through its way through every fiber of your being. That's why we have to have Jesus. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died because of sin. Even though God didn't count their sin against them because there was no law, they still were subjected to the effects of sin, which is death. From that time of Adam to the time of Moses, even for those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did, now Adam is a symbol a representation of Christ who is yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. Oh, this is one of my favorite sections of scriptures, guys. I can't help but get tingles when I read it. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many too many through his this other man, Jesus Christ, the second Adam. Some translations even call him the second Adam. And, and the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right. That's called righteousness. That's called justification being justified, being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. He makes us right with God because he puts the blood of Jesus over us. He puts Jesus' righteousness because Jesus subjected himself to death, a sinner's death, and, he had, and the enemy had no right to subject Jesus to death. That's why death spit him out. And he reclaimed dominion. He took it back. He said, this isn't yours. He took it back. And for the sin of this one man, Adam caused the death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin, praise God, and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, one Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Come on, church, let's just say amen. Let's say, I receive it. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one, one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as 
people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more and more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing, some translations might say justification, with God and resulting in eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus reclaimed dominion over death. And that's why when we put our faith in Jesus, he literally gives us a new spirit, a new identity. And so when we physically die, our spirit is instantly with God. Jesus, like I said earlier, is the only person being filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, subject to death, both physically and spiritually. And the Bible says that he went in and he preached for three days. He went to the lower parts. Those people died, but there was no law. Jesus offered them salvation. And he led them out of captivity. And now we're without excuse. Because the gospel has come. So now it's either eternal death or eternal life. We get eternal life when we put our faith in Jesus. He's the first and he's the only. When we have the Holy Spirit, when we, when we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we believe that he's the son of God. We believe that he died on the cross and that he rose again. He made it so simple. And we, and we say, Jesus, I, I, I repent of my sin. Forgive me. He says, you're forgiven. And you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. We all are on a walk with Jesus. The Holy Spirit makes us like Jesus over time. That's what he does. And so some of us are further along in that walk. Some of us, like some of us, like, can honestly say, I haven't sinned in a year. Because you, some of us, like, I haven't sinned in 12 seconds. But you know what? That's the work of the Holy Spirit over the course of your life as we continue to walk in repentance. Jesus, forgive me. Make me like Jesus. He does. And he makes us more and more like Jesus over the course of time because Jesus reclaimed dominion. Jesus tasted death for everyone. And because he has reclaimed dominion, the second thought I want to give you real quick is Jesus gives authority. Now, I, I, want, I, want to, I want to hit this real quick. I want us to have a clear understanding. I don't want anyone to think I butchered something, which you guys might anyways. I don't care. Even when Jesus subjected himself to dominion of death, he still had all authority. There was not one moment that Jesus wasn't in control. Like, I, I know this is a more modern term, but when Jesus subjected himself to the dominion that Satan controlled, death, at the time, it was like the ultimate flex on Satan. Some of you younger people understand that, but it was like a flex on, on the devil. He was saying, I'm going to submit myself to your dominion, and I'm still going to conquer it. Because I still have complete control. Even while he was man, he's, he was walking in complete and utter obedience to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit led him 
to that moment, and he trusted the Father, that the Father was going to, going to do what he said he was going to do. So Jesus never gave up authority, and he still was in, he was still sovereign over all things, even though while he was man, he didn't operate in his divinity. Because he never gave up authority, I want to look at Luke 10, 19 to 20. Let's, let's read it real quick. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. If you didn't have authority, you couldn't give authority. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are re registered in heaven. Jesus gave his disciples authority, and in turn, he turns around and says, I give you the keys to the kingdom, therefore go. He gives us authority. Now, let's read Mark 16, 17, and 20 real quick. Or not. Okay, well, I'll read it. That's cool. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Now, I want us to, I want us to read it. Starting in verse 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Everyone say, in my name. In my name. Whose name? Jesus. So in my name. So Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's speaking. He says, in my name. Whose name? Jesus. In my name they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and they will drink deadly poison, and it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on the sick people, and they will get well. After the Lord had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and set at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them. How? Say, in my name, in my name. And confirmed his word by signs that accompanied. Some, some translations say by miracles that accompanied. So Jesus gave authority. He gives authority. He didn't give us dominion. <laughs> we, we botched that. He reclaimed dominion, but then he turns around and gives us authority under his reign. So the word... For authority, it's exousia. And it's force, capacity, competency, freedom, mastery, concretely, magistrate, superhuman, potent, uh, potentate, token of control. And now, now listen, delegated influence. Jesus gave us authority. Whose authority do we operate in? Jesus. In whose name? Authority, jurisdiction, liberty, power, right, and strength. Authority. Church, we are not a toothless tiger. Jesus says in Matthew 28, I have all authority in heaven and earth, therefore go. And he turns around and gives us the keys of the kingdom. And he says, I have given you authority. We can stand in authority. When we pray, we should expect because God gave us authority. Jesus turns around and says four times in three chapters, 
Ask anything in my name and you'll receive. I'm going to read it. You don't have it. It's John 14, 13, and 14. It says, you can ask anything in my name and I will do it. So the Son of Mon- so the son of- the son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. John 15, 16. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I pointed you to, to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. John 16, 23. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. There's number three. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. There's number four. Four times in three chapters. You know, we have whole theologies of trying to explain what Jesus meant there. Like, well, what he really meant. No, like, the more I read the word, and the more... The more I, I just say, Holy Spirit, help me understand this. Jesus didn't mix words. Jesus did not put one qualifier on any of that. And, I, and we have whole theologies of name it, claim it. I'm not a name it, claim it person. But God knew that there would be people that would abuse this. He knew that there would be pastors that would get up and say, Well, you can just ask in the name of Jesus and it will be done. God knew that, and guess what? He had Jesus say it anyways. Because he wanted you to have authority. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I only speak what the Father tells me to say. So the Father, being sovereign, being omnipotent, omniscient, unknowing, seeing everything that would happen, Jesus, being 100% man, did not see the future at that moment, still was told and directed by the Father to speak this over the church with no qualifiers. You have authority in Jesus. Because he has dominion. Because Jesus has dominion, All power, authority, he reigns sovereign over all things. We can boldly function with expectation in the authority he has given us. Why did he give us authority? It's found in Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read it to you. Luke 10, 2 through 9 says, These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great. But the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Harvest, Ask him to send more workers into the field. Now go. And remember, I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Think about what he's about to say. Don't take any money with you. Nor a traveler's bag. Nor an extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Whenever... You enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home, stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality. Sometimes we just need to say thank you. (laughs) Because those who work deserve their pay. 
If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. And I want you to hear this. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Why did he give us authority? To get the kingdom to grow, to spread the gospel, to cast out demons, to heal the sick. Notice, it's kind of interesting here. He doesn't say, pray for the sick. He doesn't say, um, just lay hands on them, and then maybe they'll get healed. What does he say? Can you and I heal anyone? No. It's such a crazy thing. It's almost like when you read the precursors to this, he's saying operate in such faith that you don't that God will supply every single every single thing. He said, don't take an extra cloak, don't take extra sandals, don't take a bag, don't don't, don't take a money. God, I, just go. Just go out and trust God. And heal the sick. Cast out demons. How? Whose authority? Jesus' authority. So imagine with me if we function like Jesus expects us to function. And we're going to have an opportunity for that today. When I was praying for the service, I, I really felt like the Lord said, I'm going to move. And his character, his word, says that we have authority in him. We, we are not a toothless tiger. We are the church of the living God. The Bible says, occupy until he returns. What, is, what, what occupies? An army. We don't have to be timid when the enemy comes against us. We don't have to subject ourselves to his control because he has no dominion anymore. Jesus has complete dominion. The only authority the enemy has over us is what we give him. And some of us have given him our joy. We've given him our peace. We've given him, uh, we, we spoke things over our health. And, and when we wonder, why am I sick? Well, we, 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 we declared it. And the enemy is like, oh, they said it, so I have authority now. No, today we're going to break some of that in the name of Jesus. Because he has complete and total authority. 25% of Jesus' miracles he did. He was dealing with demonic. There was one lady that, that was in church and she was bent over and could not stand up. And she was worshiping God. And Jesus walked up and delivered her from an evil spirit. Didn't say he healed her. It says he delivered her from an evil spirit. She was not possessed by evil spirit, but there was an evil spirit afflicting her. And God gave her, God healed her physical body through delivering her from that affliction of a demonic spirit. Like, this is getting crazy, Ryan. Uh, well, I, I'm just trying to tell you what the Word of God tells you. We have dominion and authority, and some of us are under attack, and we can't figure out why. What is going on? Maybe, just maybe, the enemy is coming at us, and we've been speaking 
things into existence using the authority that God's given us, and, and we've just been aiding the enemy. Instead of speaking and standing in faith, no, the word of God says, no, I have complete freedom. I am healed in the name of Jesus. Or, no, God is my provider. I will not bow to my circumstance. Faith does not de deny circumstance. Faith stands on the word of God in spite of circumstance. It says God's word is truer than facts that I'm facing. And there's two types of prayer that we need to go to war with. Because Jesus has dominion and he gave us authority. The first type of prayer that we're about to pray, and we need, we need, we're going to take a moment of silence, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, what, what type of prayer do I need to pray to, to go to war in this moment? The first type is request. A request prayer. That sounds like, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you heal my body. Or I ask that you, in the name of Jesus that you provide for this need. Or I ask in the name of Jesus blank, whatever that blank is. It's, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus. What did Jesus say? Uh, was it four times in three chapters? Ask anything in my name? And a lot of times we, we pray that. That's probably our default, right? That I, would, I would say most of the time we, when we pray for the sick, we'll say, I, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you heal this person. But sometimes when we're dealing with sickness, and I, I want us to understand this, Sickness is a result of sin. It entered the world because of sin. That means it is demonic in its nature. It is, not of the, it is not of the spirit. There's nothing about sickness. I don't care if you have the sniffles or cancer or AIDS. I don't care. It's demonic. And sometimes you can ask God. There's nothing wrong with that. But we have authority and this, that, that means the second prayer is a command prayer. And that sounds like, in the name of Jesus, I command you. When Jesus spoke to the fig tree, he says, you will bear no fruit. Jesus didn't say in my name. He didn't have to. But then Jesus turns around and says, if you believe and do not doubt, you can say to this mountain, be cast into the sea. He does not say... You can ask the Father to move the mountain to be cast into the sea. He says, you can say if you have faith and do not doubt. Be, why? Because you have authority in Jesus' name. And he didn't say, well, if you have a lot of faith. No, he says, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed. If you just believe that God can do it, and all you are standing on is a thread, but it's the size of a mustard seed, and you say, in the name of Jesus strongholds will break in your life. The enemy will flee. Bodies will be healed and demons will run. Not because you're anything special or I'm anything special, but because Jesus has dominion over everything and he reigns. He has subdued death and broke the kingdom of darkness Thoroughly. And because of that, we can stand. We can stand 
and authority that he has given us. So what I want to do in this moment, I'm going to pray for people, but I, I want us to take a moment. Because how many of you guys are, 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 just by a show of hands, how many of you guys are fighting something and you're like, I can't put my finger on it, what I'm fighting, but I just feel oppressed maybe or afflicted? Come on. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. And you can't figure out why. And you, you've asked prayer. You, you, you've done what you know to do. Okay? We're going we're gonna to do something in a moment. And I believe that oppression will cease because Jesus gave us authority. What did he say? In my name. In my name. Whose name? Jesus. So I want to take a moment of silence for a second. And this is what I want to ask. Father, what type of prayer do I need to pray? Do I need to ask you? Do I need to ask in Jesus' name? Or do I need to command in Jesus' name? If you're dealing with something demonic... You have authority to command it. And let's ask, because each of us has something different that we're dealing with. And then let's ask the second question. Lord, illuminate how to pray. What, what is coming against me? I, I, want, I want us to ask this. I'm, I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to ask it myself. And now, what I want to do is I want you to exercise the full authority that God has given you. I want you, you have authority. Jesus says, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever you release on earth is loosed in heaven. You have authority. You have authority in Jesus. Don't pray. Do not pray. Don't say, I bind you. Get out. It won't work. It's in Jesus' name. Only in Jesus' name. Don't pray without Jesus' name. It's, and it's because you're a son and a daughter of God that gives you this right. And if you're here today and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can pray all you want. God might, in his grace, show up. But until you walk in repentance and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins, you have no authority over the enemy. And, and so what, what, what I really want to happen right now 
is I want you to pray. And if you feel like you need help praying, I'm going to be right up here because there is power multiplied prayer. The Bible says where two or, th- or, or, two or more um, agree in touching any one thing, it shall be done through our Father which is in heaven. There's power in multiplied prayer. And, and, and so I, I believe, I truly believe God is going to break chains of bondage today. There have been people addicted to things for years that God is going to say no more. Because you're free in Christ. And the enemy has been oppressing you with it and telling you you're not. That's a lie. If you're in Christ, you are free. There are people here today that need physical healing. God is going to heal you. There are people here today that are struggling with depression and anxiety. God wants to give you peace and joy because that's his nature. That's what he produces. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if you need help praying, I'm going to be up here. Nathan will be up here. And we want to pray with you. But what I don't want us to do is to just go through the motions. No, let's take a moment and truly go to war. You have authority and power. My prayers aren't any more powerful than your prayers. They aren't. I'm no more special We're all brothers and sisters. We have one Lord. You have authority. Because guess what? Tomorrow morning's still going to come, and I'm not going to be there. And we can depend on the pastors and all them. We'll pray for you for sure. But when you get alone, you have authority to say no more. In the name of Jesus. I feel an urgency that the church has got to be ready to go to war not physically but spiritually because there is a dark kingdom that is just showing its hand all over our nation and it is demonic and we have got to walk in the authority that God gives us and the enemy is coming against the church like never before to make us a toothless tiger but we serve the lion of the tribe of Judah and we have authority in the name of Jesus to, to render the king of this world powerless and we got to stand in that I know this has been like a theme and I, I the Lord told me to preach through Hebrews but guys you have authority in Jesus I keep saying that I'm going to keep saying it go to war when you walk downtown go to war when you walk through your workplace you don't have to say it out loud you don't have to get excited but you can literally under your breath say in the name of Jesus I bind every spirit that comes against my family we can stand on the word of God We've got to to see the the kingdom of God grow. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. There are people here today that keep choosing another Lord. You keep walking away from a relationship and you come back and you feel so guilty. Jesus says, I got everything that you're looking for. You don't have to look anymore. 
Let's pray. And if you need prayer, I'm going to be standing right up here as Pastor Andy leads. Please respond as the Lord leads you.
physical need it's not it's not a it's 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 a it's it's a chain it's it's you you feel in bondage to something and and, and you can't you you've prayed about it you've repented all that stuff but you can't figure out i want to pray with you don't stay in your seat when god is here to to render freedom he reigns above it all is all authority and power and dominion. He prevails against the work of the enemy. So if you're you're battling something that has you in chains, I'm going to ask you to step 
up and step out. Take a step of faith. Take a, there's no shame. There is now and therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the work of the cross. It's to render the enemy powerless and to break every chain. It's the anointing that breaks the yokes of the chains of bondage. And God's presence is here. What is the anointing? It's the presence of God. So I'm going to stand right here. And if you need prayer right now, you feel there's just something coming against you and you and, and you can't figure it out and you feel like, man, th this is the chain. It's just this is bondage. And I, I want to be free from it. Let's Let's pray. Let's pray together. You reign above it all. You reign above it all. Over the universe and over every heart, there is no higher name. Jesus, you reign above it all. You reign above it all. pray for you and you can leave as you please Father I thank you that your word went forth I pray that you seal it in our hearts in the mighty name of Jesus Father I ask that you will move in every person's heart and mind that you will renew us to make us like you Lord, I pray that you bless your church and keep your church. Make your face shine upon them and be gracious to them. Turn your countenance towards them and may they have peace. I bind every, every lie and work of the enemy in the name of Jesus that is setting itself up against the church of the living God. And I pray that we walk out of this building in full authority, knowing that you go before us, knowing that you are with us, knowing that we have authority over the enemy so we can make a difference because the harvest is plentiful. Lord, let us be workers in the harvest, oh God, I pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you 
for the testimonies that are going to come out of today. I thank you for the miracles that have been done. I thank you, Father, for the chains that have been broken in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you turn depression into joy, that you turn anxiety into peace in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you don't give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I thank you walking out of this place that people will be walking in that that power, love, and a sound mind in the authority that you have given us. And Lord, I pray for boldness over your church. I pray for a supernatural boldness to overtake us, that we step up and step out in faith to declare the faithfulness of God, to declare the gospel to a lost world. Lord, if a move of God stays in this room, it will die. But as we step out in faith, I pray that the move of God will encounter Columbia, Franklin, Spring Hill, Kulioka, Lord Jesus, Santa Fe, and every town that is represented in this room. Let us be the move of God because the spirit of the living God is in us. Now, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people. So, Lord, as we lift you up, as we close out this time of worship together, I pray that you will just inhabit us with your joy and your presence and your peace. In the name of Jesus, I pray.